This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. And all that jazz. Welcome to the artists. As Godard said, you don't make a movie, the movie makes you. In our movie-making profession, the workings of Murphy's Law is always at its best. In these candid conversations, we unravel those challenges that define the makers in the movie-making business. Hope these chats will inspire and elevate you to keep fighting for your dreams, but with a mode of reality check on it. I'm your host, Suchita, and this podcast is brought to you by Metaphysical Lab. Enjoy the show. We are in conversation with uh, Devashish Makhija. He has researched and assisted on Black Friday, which was directed by Anurag Kashyap and was also the chief assistant on Bunty and Bubbly, which was directed by Shadari. He has written numerous screenplays, notably Avik Mukherjee's Bhoomi and Anurag's Doga. And he's had solo art shows occupying silence, written Tulika's best-selling children book, When Ali Became Bajrang Bali and Why Paplu Was Perplexed, a HarperCollins collection of short stories. He's directed multiple award-winning short films, Dandav, Elaiji, Agli Bar. And he has recently finished his second feature-length film, Bhosle, after Raji. Hi, Devashish. Welcome to the podcast, The Artists. I want to start the conversation directly without going to your film, but actually coming to you as a person, as a human being. What is that first thing that you wake up with and what's the last thing that you go to when you sleep in the night? What is it that you think about? I have a hard time sleeping. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I think as all independent filmmakers in Bombay might. So I don't know when I fall asleep. I think I just exhaust myself each night till I just drop. So mm-hmm. I often end up sleeping in different corners of the room. <laughs> but I don't know when I've fallen asleep. It's working, working, working and I pass out. So obviously then I wake up in the morning with what the fuck was I doing last <laughs> So it's broadly between what the fuck was I doing to when will my next film get made. Mm. That's broadly what I'm oscillating between. Mm. Two very popular films down your career, Aji and Bosley. How has life changed? Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of films not get made all these years and finally Aji and Bosley happened to get made back to back. Mm-hmm. People think it gets easier with every film that gets made. But mm-hmm. in the independent space, no. Because I think it's really hard for a producer to put their might behind a film like this that has no guarantee of getting returns on their investment, no guarantee of a proper theatrical release, which matters to some people still. Mm-hmm. And if you're working with no guarantees with every film, mm-hmm. it's not going to get easier because a particular producer will not repeat that tragic and really hard process more than mm-hmm. once with you. Mm-hmm. They might try their luck with another filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So most of the times, most of my films have had first time producers. It's mm-hmm. been their first film as well. Mm-hmm. And it's always been hard for them because my films are not hard, to, uh, easy to back. So things have not changed with my next four projects that I'm trying to set up simultaneously and 16 films that I have more or less in different stages of writing. It's not any easier. I'm back to zero with every film. Mm-hmm. Being an independent filmmaker in this city, um, 
you're living on your own, you know, trying to make your projects work, getting up every morning and saying, okay, I'm going to go and crack a deal today and try and get funds for my next project. I relate a lot to that, um, knowing the situation right now for indie filmmakers. How vulnerable do you feel with each passing day, with every meeting, with everything that you do, every moment of your life? When I came to Bombay and I very typical uh, journey coming to Bombay from another city thinking that you'll make films and you'll be remembered as an artist you feel very vulnerable and you think that yes this is going to reduce over time it only keeps going up yeah. the amplitude of the vulnerability is exponentially growing yes because if you're trying to stay true to your artistic journey and yeah. not ki, okay I paid my dues I made two artistic films now let's make a big studio film with stuff yeah. yes. if you're not doing that the vulnerability is going nowhere because mm-hmm. I wake up, yes, every morning also with the insecurity of not knowing where next month's rent is going to come from. Yes. I'm 40 and I still share a flat with two other friends and uh, my life has not changed really outside of some of my films getting made. Mm. Nothing else in my life has changed from 2003 when I came to Bombay. I'm still sharing a flat. I still mostly take buses and trains over cabs I can't afford to book an Ola I don't even have the Ola app on my phone I Mm. moved to a smartphone 10 months ago because my AD team refused to respond to WhatsApp messages on my behalf Mm. so that vulnerability as you're growing older and you you were told that in every career choice you make there is a graph of success and you reach a certain place of comfort this particular choice of following your artistic impulse sadly it doesn't have that graph what graph it has is uh, really hard to predict mm. and it changes from person to person in my case the vulnerability is only growing every day how do you survive it's uh, i don't know it's not easy mm-hmm. but uh, i also keep when i when i say it's not easy i then instantly remind myself of of more than 70% of our country's population that doesn't even get two square meals a day mm. And I'm fortunate enough to get three square meals a day mm. still. And when it's flooding outside and 18 people died in the Bombay rains two days yes. ago, I was in the secure confines of a third floor flat. Mm-hmm. So then I stopped complaining. And I stopped worrying about how will I survive. Mm. You survive this much, you'll survive the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You're actually, you're privileged. You have it much easier than most of the population. What is it that pushes you to keep going Every day, what is it that drives you forward? Uh, when, again, when I came earlier to Bombay to make films, at least mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to make films. Mm-hmm. It was an artistic impulse at the beginning. You want to uh, indulge your artistic side. You want to explore your artistic voice. Over mm-hmm. time, as I delved deeper and deeper into the story ideas that I was considering most of them were political. I started, I traveled, I traveled to the Adivasi areas of Orissa, Chhattisgarh and Andhra Pradesh. I researched Black Friday. Mm-hmm. I went into uh, parts of India that I wouldn't have actually been able to access unless I decided to tell stories that were set there or about people there. And I, I realized that it was not an artistic impulse anymore that was driving me. It was my restlessness with the political instability of this country. Mm -hmm. The fact that we are so many languages and so many mini nations, but Mm -hmm. 
somehow held together by an idea of being part of one nation mm-hmm. and constantly at some conflict with one another mm-hmm. and that has become a driving force so for me cinema is not my primary agenda mm-hmm. telling stories where i can reflect on and raise questions about where we've arrived at as a nation mm-hmm. is my primary agenda so cinema is at the service of that so that's what drives me and as long as we are this fucked up nation that we are i'm sorry for my french mm-hmm. and then i'll always be driven because that reservoir of ideas and motivation is mm-hmm. endless i would like it to end but it's an abyss mm. i st- stop thinking about how miserable the adivasi is then the the dalit stands up and wants to be counted then i sort of stop thinking about the dalit then now the muslim is being antagonized so there's no end mm. really to how many things we are getting wrong in our nation today mm-hmm. So yeah so there's no lack of motivation then has these years you know of, of you know of making the films trying to make another film trying to put another film on the floor has that or is that you feel uh, hardened you as a filmmaker do you think it's changing you as a person and do you also think that you know there's some side of you that needs to be preserved what how, how do you work upon that very difficult question to answer really but very very pertinent question because what you call hardened mm. uh has its collateral mm. because i for a long for the longest time i used war metaphors for independent filmmaking to keep talking to my team about you know you're a soldier you're going to war you have to when you raise the gun yeah. you have to be able to kill you can't say are how can i kill that guy then what the fuck are you doing mm. on the war front mm. So I used to use war metaphors so much because I was trying to harden myself to mm. be able to survive the the immense odds you're up against. Yes. At every level, not just creative but logistical, Absolutely. financial. Absolutely. Uh systemic. Yeah. Then I realized that that hardening hmm. somewhere starts making you a little insensitive, at least me. Yes. To the subjects that I'm choosing whose yes. stories I want to tell. Yes. If I'm getting hardened am i being less empathetic then to the person who's not being able to fight their fight i started yes. looking at people who couldn't really harden themselves as weak and i didn't want to feel that way because yeah. i still wanted to be empathetic yes then i realized that this whole war metaphor is not working it is possibly true that it's like a war but to believe it is to take yourself into a territory where your art ceases to matter so i've in the last 2 years i've been trying to slowly reverse that that approach and i want to see it as something that also energizes me even as it drains me because mm. if art is not doing that for you then mm. why are we fighting to make it sure but i've still not reached a place where i'm managing to do it mm. but i really don't want to be hardened i if it's going to be as difficult it's going to be as difficult we chose to make art no one put a gun to our head and said you know that you make art or i'll kill you mm. we decided that i'll make mm. art or i will die mm. Mm. it mm. was a pressure we put on ourselves so mm. i would like mm. to then enjoy the heartbreak of that process and not cry mm. about it Lovely. i haven't arrived there yet yeah. but i'm trying to get there yeah i see a lot of my filmmaker friends you know um if i've made you know get into that zone uh, of course they are hardened themselves they have changed as people over the process uh some of them have you know unable to put their next film on floor have even ventured into the space of trying to you know like end it all um you know sometimes i wonder that why are we so hard on ourselves as artists as filmmakers and 
you know how do you tackle that aspect of just losing it all you know at at some time yeah no uh, so for the longest time again i really romanticized the suffering writers and the suffering artists really yeah. romanticized kafka yeah. really romanticized dostoevsky yeah. so much so that i started i started as a joke then i started believing the narrative i started mm. telling people that you know what it's okay nobody will watch my films and i'm alive but like kafka i'll be <laughs> that cult figure after i've died Mm. then i checked myself i'm mm. like what the fuck are you saying man why are you believing that you're going to be a posthumous success why not just enjoy what you're doing i do, didn't know kafka i was not in that room when he wrote metamorphosis yes. maybe he was energized by it that's mm. why he could survive his accountant life mm. the other half of yes. his life now we, i can't decide that no he was suffering and i'm going to romanticize his suffering and i want to be that suffering artist mm. why am i doing that to myself mm. so i've been trying to sort of look at the the artists who celebrated life hmm. for lack of a better reference right now picasso hmm. Hmm. he had a fairly colorful flamboyant life and hmm. he was a fantastic artist hmm. so i'm like why can that not be a benchmark too hmm. and therefore if you just take away all the benchmarks let's just try and find our relationship with our art and it doesn't have to be dismal even if it's not manifesting mm. you're still getting a chance to create it every day mm. how many people are in that position of privilege mm. so many people have such a hard time just making those two meals a day yes it's a privilege for them to be able to write that poem that 10 minutes they take out in the middle of the night to write it yes we get to indulge it every day yes it's a privilege and i don't know how but i would like to celebrate it and for many years i couldn't mm. i too was on the brink of suicide once yes but i would like to find another way to do this otherwise it can't sustain it mm. we get destroyed by the own demons that we create nobody else creates them for us we yes. create them and then we let them destroy us how do you t- how, how do you counter those dark moments i have uh, always channeled it into my work mm. and to the extent that i think over the last 5 6 7 years it's become a seamless channel mm. it's so much so that if i'm facing a situation of say heartbreak yes say for lack of a better situation someone's breaking up with me i'm yes. like oh someone breaking up with me okay hold this thought i'll go write a poem <laughs> i feel better and i come back okay it's cool yes we'll still be friends mm. but i need mm. to write that poem to yes. be able to deal with the heartbreak yes. so that channel over time just became so uh smooth hmm. that uh, i turn to my work the minute emotion gets too much for me mm-hmm. like we were speaking a little earlier yes uh, i know you want me to go there <laughs> yeah. with this so in 2014 and that was uh, before i made my first short film and then a succession of short films changed the game for me somewhat mm-hmm. i had like 15 16 shelf films Mm. all kinds of films i wrote doga for anurag that didn't mm. get made mm. i wrote mf husain's biopic mm. and he passed before making it mm. i was writing and directing an animation film with yashraj for 3 years that got shelved so mm. that and a whole lot of other films and i nothing was making sense to me and i actually saved 15000 rupees and bought a cheap revolver oh man and i had the gun in my mouth oh man and i said this is it and i had written my will whatever i just own four cupboards of books and i divided those books like an idiot over six close friends oh man and it was on an email hmm. and i had written a note in that email and i was about to send it pull the trigger and i felt a poem like, yeah fuck this feels this I, i need to say something so i thought that will be my farewell poem 
and I go to the other room to write it because in that space in that moment I couldn't write it. Yes. And when I finished that poem, Obviously. it felt pointless to kill myself. Yes. Even that act felt pointless. कि इसका क्या होगा? And I didn't. Amazing. Hmm. Um, I want to hear that poem, by the way. I have it. Um, me, yeah. So you know, uh, you know, I want you to recite that as we sort of get into uh, deeper into the pod. But I just want to understand this aspect. You know, being hard on yourself as a filmmaker versus the system not being structured enough or caring enough for independent filmmakers. What do you have to say to that? Do you think that if the system was slightly more caring and Of course we had this conversation where you said why the hell should the system care for us because we have chosen it you know Yeah uh, I don't mean that in a very glib hmm. macro hmm. way at hmm. a very very basic hmm. primal human needs way hmm. from ancient man hmm. what is our primary need forget concern we need food in our stomach hmm. we need to be able to shit and piss okay and mm. we need to be able to sleep mm. and then over time we needed to be able to cover our bodies with clothing if these are sufficiently met in a just manner for 100% of the population then you can worry about art when majority of the population does not have primary health care and primary education and water to drink forget wash their ass with who the fuck are we to demand artistic support Everybody needs to be, but why? Why? Uh, I mean, in I know US, art needs to uh, hold yes. up a mirror to society and all all of those things. But art has never changed policy. Policy might affect art. So mm-hmm. the primary thrust then, as a nation or as a community and as a species, has to be policy. And you can't change policy with art. You have to change policy with policy making. But I don't see any artist. going into policy making they don't want to get their hands dirty in politics they don't want to get their hands dirty in social welfare they don't want to get their hands dirty in activism mm-hmm. but you want to sit there and say no i want money to hold up a mirror to society i find that problematic you know mm-hmm. for example like again going back to primitive man when you look at a tribal community and the tribal community's art is what either drawing wildly on walls or performing theater around a bonfire everybody in that village is part of it everybody in that village is consuming it it's a given take we are not doing that mm. what you also said is the problem also with an independent film making scene in mumbai where we do not function as, a, function community, as a community but we an function issue. as an individual in europe artists empower artists in new york if mm. you go to say central park and there are musicians and mm. there are artists and there are dancers everywhere mm. yes they are constantly supporting each other they are mm. a big community mm. they will tell you that you heard my song you like her song too go mm. there drop a penny in her hat also mm. i don't catch a single artist in bombay doing that mm. so i started this community called labobo yes. with a bunch of our artists mm. and we've we're trying to foster that sense of a community of mm-hmm. a sense of belonging so that then you can give yes uh, amongst filmmakers and when mm-hmm. i say filmmakers i'm referring to art actors and editors and sure. everybody who contributes to making a film and i'm trying to keep it non transactional so i'm mm-hmm. trying to see if we can do this without money because the minute money enters the picture mm-hmm. profit enters the picture and you cannot think as a community mm-hmm. post bosley as i'm so looking forward to watching it um what is and we've already spoken about this what is that you uh and how do you intend to release bosley as you move forward do you guys have a strategy to it No, we are trying. Mm. The producers are trying everything they can, but a film mm. like this is not easy to release. Mm. 
you have to realize that independent independent cinema is a kind of art that mm-hmm. the world does not really want you want the world to have it you want the world to acknowledge it because you believe that the world will be a better place mm-hmm. the world is not admitting that it'll be a better place because of your art mm-hmm. the world is admitting that it'll be a better place because of a salman khan film mm-hmm. because all those auto drivers for example feel relieved watching sallu bhai on screen because mm-hmm. they get escape Mm. for 2 and a half hours mm. Mm. so mm. their world is a better place they have mm. acknowledged it and they've paid you for it mm. and nobody saying that the world is going to be a better place because of your film so nobody really wants supposedly mm. and in that paradigm it's very hard to then release it mm. because you have to convince the world that no you want it mm. and now you have to give us money for it you realize how insurmountable that that mm. task is mm. so it is difficult where is the, where is that thing that uh you know the film independent filmmaking scene is getting stuck besides of course you're making it but the making is easier now but of course it's getting stuck ahead in the distribution, distribution. space distribution it's always been a problem mm. it's not just independent filmmaking mm. and 2019 mm. Mm. it's always been a problem eisenstein had a hard time releasing his films mm. a malayalam filmmaker called john ibrahim mm. uh in a career of spanning i think 15 to 20 years he went village to village he told stories of adivasis in all his four films taking contributions from the tribals and screening the films for the tribals to the traveling filmmaker and in nearly 20 years he made four films because of back breaking mm-hmm. he was trying to figure out the distribution really mm-hmm. how do i go village to village and show my film mm-hmm. so distribution has always been the tricky beast mm-hmm. you end up selling your house and selling your everything your father and mother owned and you can manage to make one film mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. whether it's a two lakh rupee film or a 20 crore film but how do you get it out mm. has been a problem for a century and more mm-hmm. unless it's a studio film where the studio initiates the project and hires you to make it mm-hmm. then they have done their background checks and their their financial breakdowns and they know that they'll make money off it and that's mm-hmm. a different beast but i'm saying for us distribution has always been and always be difficult how are you going about with your film post bosle as you're pitching your next scripts is it the studio or no none of them are really studio pitches mm. most of them are independent film uh, producers here and co-producers in europe and just a mix and match of a whole lot of entities mm-hmm. but broadly the only way forward until we collectively find an alternate distribution model mm. which we may may not in my lifetime sure the only way then is to keep the costs as low as possible mm and i know it sounds ironic saying it because bosley was made at a certain scale but that was mm. also because manoj bajpai has a certain kind of audience sure and he will draw hopefully that kind of audience in that will recover the cost of that film mm. but in the absence of a crutch for me manoj mm. was a crutch on bosley mm. without him that film wouldn't be made absolutely in the absence of a crutch you need to keep your costs bare 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 minimum Mm. the lower the cost what what's what's bare minimum i don't know depends mm. on how accessible you think your film is depending mm. on how many people you think out there are out there who will want to watch your film that's mm. an answer only you can have mm. which brings me to my pet uh term mm. i keep saying that a filmmaker cannot just be a filmmaker we have to be film entrepreneurs sure there's something i learned from a friend pavan kumar who made this kannada film called lucia yes. yeah crowdfunded it himself on facebook produced mm. it himself distributed mm. it himself mm. and all the money he made came to him mm. and he repeated that with the film after that called u turn and mm. made a success of both mm. 
and film entrepreneur is the only way to go you can't not get your hands dirty with the whole process you can't shrug off mm. any responsibility because you owe it to your art more than anybody else does sure so you have to go the whole nine yards yeah, yeah. from start otherwise don't do it no mm. otherwise what happens is you even if you feel you're entitled to being bitter and cynical and yeah. accusing the vc for not giving you money <laughs> you will die doing that and your films won't get made what's the point of that mm you want to not die no being mm. bitter cynical and having enough excuses but mm. no films to show for it hmm i was just talking to this another filmmaker and he was sort of wondering how long because you know he's just venturing into making his feature film and he was wondering how long it's going to take for him to raise funds for his first feature film and then i was like you know i don't know like uh, and then sort of he he was asking about script labs like should i sort of take that shoot as well because there's so many out there you know who are accepting of new filmmakers um have you ever taken your film to script labs uh, what do you think about the whole process i have tried to go to a lot of co-production markets and uh, post-production funds and grants and mm. those kind of funds grants and labs but script labs never mm-hmm. because uh, also by the time i started reaching out for international funding i had written enough i done enough of screenplay writing to Uh, be able to i think i might sound arrogant saying it but i think all of us if we really look inwards we are our own best radar we can tell that okay over here you know we are we are fucking up we need to recalibrate this we need to make it shorter if you really write 30 40 drafts of your script you can be your own best script lab mm. but what happens with a lot of script labs out there mm. and there's only my reading of it sure i have seen uh, i have followed one or two indian projects mm. one i will not name hmm. i don't know if i am at the liberty to name it but hmm. i was part of the doctoring of that script sure and uh, it was in 2015 one of our most memorable and path breaking independent films from india and when it went through an american lab before that yeah the script got destroyed because the indianness of it and the slight uh, for lack of a better word randomness of things was yeah. beaten out of it hmm and when it came back this filmmaker was confused he didn't know where to go with it mm. and then we sort of helped sculpt it back to what his and his writer's intent was oh man mm. and then when it actually got made mm. it was celebrated as an indian film unlike anything anyone had seen before mm. but so i find script labs you have to decide what mm. who are you making your film for if mm. you're making it mm. for an independent uh theater watching audience in mm. the us mm. then a certain kind of lab in the us is good for you Mm. but you have to decide you can't go to a lab because you want to get noticed mm. and then make a film for a different audience it will mm. not work for them it will not mm. work for the audience mm-hmm. and you'll be left scratching your head wondering where did you go wrong mm-hmm. do you think uh, you've always questioned is that you know analyzing a market and saying okay the european cinema works like this the american cinema works like this indian cinema works like this and this is where i want to go you know like analyzing a market and trying to craft your film to fit that market do you think that uh, you know in the process uh, we are losing out on the intent as you said you know trying to you know why did we start the uh, film in the first place when you uh, have an intent when you start your film hmm. it is purely artistic yes and i'm talking now about a film entrepreneur and not a filmmaker because i don't believe in filmmakers mm. filmmakers are their own worst enemies because mm. we prioritize artistic intent sometimes to the point where the film doesn't get made because if it's a collaborative process mm. after a point it ceases to be your intent 
it becomes a collaborative intent mm-hmm. it's other people's money other people's resources mm-hmm. other people's talent mm-hmm. and other people who will put your film out there mm-hmm. all of their perspectives have to be incorporated if you bring in an actor you can't make that actor perform it like you would because then you should be doing it why are you hiring an actor you should be acting in your film you should be making your film you should be cutting it you should be taking a screen it to lokanwala market and screening it there no one else watches it you should be watching it that is pure artistic intent obviously that first intent is only for the first stage thereafter mm-hmm. everyone who joins you it's a collaborative collective intent mm-hmm. and the minute you start bringing in that all those questions can only be answered by the filmmaker how much do i bring allow this in how much do i retain of my this that percentage is the filmmaker's prerogative final products whether it's a david fincher film mm-hmm. where he i think is one of the finest directors for hire where he brings a certain original voice yet he's a director for hire those scripts are not written by him mm-hmm. the studio films or a david lynch where he goes all out and tries to be as artistic as he can none of these filmmakers end up with a film that they can truly say is uncompromised and purely my vision they can't too many things come into it and happen along the way where they have to recalibrate their vision mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. you land up on a set and your actor has had a, a fight with her husband and mm-hmm. it's raining she's not going to give you what you want from her she's going to give you something else mm-hmm. you will recalibrate your scene to include that you've compromised everybody has been talking about you know not a single film being in cans indian film being in cans this year Mm do you think we're cribbing about it do you think uh there is something wrong in terms of your uh artistic choices or are we just like just breaking our heads there and should we break our heads there of all the filmmakers who have been voicing their concern mm. at no indian films being mm. represented at mm. cannes this year mm. did anyone take did anyone want to understand the french market or the european market to make a film that khan would want there is a certain formula play even over there yes khan is not going to every country and saying what do you like we'll celebrate that no we'll celebrate mm. what we want to celebrate it's khan it's in france mm. we decide mm. so if we as indians not french mm. we want to film there we can't make the film we want to make and expect a guarantee that it will be there it's a chance it's a chance that devdas managed to get a screening there it was obviously not in competition or anything mm. it just happened that there was a section i'm not sure what the section was that year where someone was in the director's fortnight i'm not sure mm. was it yeah. but maybe the curator that year had a certain affinity for that kind of cinema wanted mm. to represent it mm. so it was subjective it was not like the khan festival mm. suddenly recalibrated to celebrate india so those individual curators leave their stamps also so all i'm saying is that if we are not going to take the trouble to understand their what they need mm. we are actually being stupid complaining about not being there because we didn't want to be there in the first place we didn't try to be there if you tried mm. and failed then we should talk mm. we didn't try So what are you expecting that you just going to shoot in the dark mm. and one of the bullets will hit bullseye that's not how this works the indie brotherhood and how to sort of keep growing the community how to sort of you know come together and take the movement forward uh, very difficult again to mm. answer that question but yes you yeah we yeah, like talking about uh, the filmmaking community in kerala the filmmaking community in bangladesh uh, the filmmaking community in calcutta 
in Bangladesh versus filmmaking community in Mumbai or the lack of it yeah <laughs> in Bangladesh i have noticed a lot of the young independent filmmakers they mm. sort of support each other they work on each other's films they produce each other's films they take each other's films to markets represent each other mm. they constantly helping each other out mm. and uh, this is uh, this is true of uh, even literature in europe and the us in the 40s 50s 60s all the writers all the artists knew each other hmm. they hung out with each other hmm. they read each other's books they saw each other's arts they commented on each other's poetry hmm. in bombay we don't do that we don't engage with each other's daily concerns we just end up watching that film not even tell the filmmaker what we thought bitch the filmmaker out behind the back so sure. until we engage with each other and realize that we share common concerns absolutely and the minute we do that we'll start supporting each other it happens in kerala also all yes. the malayalam malayalam independent filmmakers are constantly supporting each other forming collectives working on each other's films yes you cannot grow alone absolutely we need to take everyone together so, abubo yeah. again is this little thing that yes. started every two or three months we yes. so far we've only had five chapters and we have one and on the 12th one, of yes. july yes so we're screening uh, independent short films to begin with mm. that do not have platforms yet sure so i'm trying to see if we can get audiences in get buzz out so it helps the filmmakers mm-hmm. more importantly we're trying to create an atmosphere of you know sitting around a bonfire like a community Lovely, yeah. and sharing stories so that mm. everyone in that room becomes a part of abubu and if they want to then talk to each other work on each other's film support each other we encourage that Mm, that's lovely i look forward to joining on july 12th this month i was talking to uh one of the filmmakers and i was just asking her that how is it that every time she tells me that you know sometimes i just regret you know getting up in the morning and asking myself telling myself that you know why the hell do you want to be a filmmaker and because it has terribly terribly affected her personal life over the years and uh, and i spoke to so many of them and everybody agreed that you know it has to a certain extent almost destroyed their personal existence and personal life what do you have to say to that wholeheartedly agree <laughs> i don't think uh, this kind of obsessive uh, pursuit mm-hmm. can allow for any other emotional pursuit because we put so much of our emotion in this mm-hmm. it's not just a logical you know thing that you map out and you know that from here we'll go there and from there we'll go there mm. so there's something that i've been uh, i've been researching i've been considering therapy mm. yes and i almost started it a while back mm. so i was researching what makes for example a bank employee run a marathon with such passion because <laughs> there's no passion in his work 9 <laughs> to 5 is a dispassionate job yeah and there is a certain part of his mind and his brain that is unutilized or underutilized and therefore a marathon or learning a new instrument or i don't know playing a sport with passion every weekend or four times a week is where they're dispensing that part of their personality we are dispensing more that and more every minute of every day yes so where is then the space to let anything else inhabit it So I I'm speaking for myself but I'm yes. assuming a lot of filmmakers like me yes have a string of dysfunctional relationships yes we can't make things work Absolutely. there is no emotion left to deal with things outside of work it's a primary relationship it's selfish but how else do we sustain it 
Hmm. We can't deprive it of the emotion because with no emotion, there's no artistic impulse. But how do you tackle? Like I was sitting with an actor the other day, and he was telling, "But how do you tackle those emotional bits alone? You need an emotional support. Being alone in the city, try to make your film." But uh, not everyone has the luxury of having that emotional support. Some people do. Some people, some some of us have it sometimes, not have it sometimes. Yes. But ultimately, if you've chosen an artistic expression, yeah, isn't that your biggest then emotional support? If you're giving to it, you can also take from it. Mm-hmm. and we don't reach out for to our art enough like i know every time i'm feeling anything dark yes. like you heard in the poem yes. i reach for my art immediately that mm-hmm. becomes my first go to thing mm-hmm. but a lot of artists i know don't do that they reach out for alcohol or they yes. roll a joint yes. or i'm not being judgmental here i'm just Absolutely. saying what i've observed Absolutely. or they reach out for other things but not their art then why did you give so many years to your art that's if that lovely. is not available to you when you yes. need it emotionally yes I think that's a great point. That's lovely. Like Ajji, if you've seen Ajji, yes, uh, it's when people ask me why is why is it so dark. The first thing that I have to say to them is it's dark so that I don't have to be. Someone there is is killed so that I don't have to kill. Hmm. It's tragic so my life doesn't have to be. So I've channeled all of that there hmm. because I have that at my disposal and it's a privilege hmm. and it's an advantage and we don't use it enough. That's lovely. As artists, we need to. find a happier way to approach our uh, get into more happy pursuit space. not mm. use words like struggle and fight mm. because mm. they will never go away then yes. and we'll always use them as a crutch to justify the misery we are feeling yes uh, devashish i'm very keen to hear the poem that you wrote oh shit at one that point in your life and you just thought that okay this is it bye bye <laughs> you sure you want to hear it yes <laughs> hmm I mean if it wasn't for this poem it wouldn't be this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the poem's called If I Kill Myself Today, but obviously. Sure. If I kill myself today, tomorrow's milk will curdle untended at the door. Some clothes in the washing machine will stay unwashed forever. A hundred ants will gather in quiet celebration around some spilt tea in the kitchen. a desperate doorbell will fall from favor on deaf ears if i kill myself today dust will gather when my broom won't be reaching anymore ignored a solitary banana will rot surrendering itself to flies a stubborn pigeon will wonder why she's not being chased out the window and gleefully invite some others in helplessly Three bottles of pills will age past their expiry date, their contents intact. If I kill myself today, a cell phone will beep a reminder at 9 a.m. tomorrow, and every 10 minutes thereafter till its battery dies. A Gmail account will gather unread emails from known IDs for years before spam slowly takes over. A Facebook profile picture will find that it never needs to be updated ever again. but the elections will be held on schedule the monsoons will come again this year my aging father will grow even older the building down the road will be redeveloped homes will be furnished furniture will be bought will age and be replaced the unmarried will get married the unborn will be birthed newspapers will be printed and read and recycled tomatoes will be grown 
soup will be made the kind that was prescribed for a healthier longer life you will have it out of a bowl if you have it next week you will shed a tear in my memory it will fall in the soup you will collect it in a spoonful and swallow it as you choke and break down if you have it next year it will be too hot so you will blow on it till it cools and then you will swallow it spoonful by spoonful as you sit before the television watching your favorite dinner time soap cursing the ad breaks with the same intensity as today if i kill myself today the telecast timings will not change